In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. This is the 46th sermon in the series of homilies on the Sunday Epistle readings. So I began this series in September of last year, which is the beginning of the liturgical year for the Orthodox Church. And so this is the 46th sermon. There is, I guess, six sermons left in this series. It's hard to believe the year has gone by. In today's epistle reading, St. Paul addresses the subject of the church as a body and how we are all members of one another. And just as the human body has different members of different parts with different functions, so all, we all have a different part to play in the life of the church. The church is not a social organization. It's not a group of like-minded people. It is a body. We are the body of Christ, and Christ is our head. <clears throat> and we all have a different part to play. We all have a different role in the church. In a congregation as small as ours, this dynamic is really felt. It's really front and center. Every one of us contributes very significantly to the welfare of this local expression of the church. Even if all you do is show up, that by itself is a huge supportive role in our community life. Just being here, just being able to see your face is an encouragement to the rest of your brothers and sisters and to me as your pastor. But even beyond that, the fact of showing up, the reality is that each one of us has a part to play beyond just showing up. Each one of us helps <clears throat> keep things going <coughs> through the different functions and ministries. Knowing what your, spirit, your particular spiritual gift is should not be a matter that which, with which we become preoccupied, however. You know, we help out where we are needed. But in the evangelical church, many Protestant churches, there is, I think, too much of an emphasis put on this subject. And I think that in a lot of ways it is unhealthy. It seems that in the mainstream Christian world in America, every few months you hear an announcement about some uh, particular figure or leader who has decided that they don't believe anymore, given up their faith. Prominent people, people who have been seen as role models and leaders within the evangelical world and they've, they've come to a point in their life where oh, I don't believe anymore or they... They no longer accept the Christian morality. And just recently, there was another one of these. This man was a uh, very 
Uh, I watched this interview with such a person who was a popular worship leader within his community. He had uh, written a lot of praise songs and things like that, which many church communities had used in their worship. And then all of a sudden he announces that he's not a believer anymore. This must have had a, a powerful impact on these churches. And so in this interview, he talked about his life. He was raised in a very charismatic church environment, became a member of a Christian rock band, and began to write songs for worship. And because of his gift for being able to write songs for worship, he began to be looked at as a leader, as a worship leader, and a spiritual leader within his community, within all the people who, under his sphere of influence, people who heard his songs. So as I was watching this interview, a couple of things caught my eye. He had one of these modern haircuts where his, his head was shaved all the way around the perimeter and on the top it looked like somebody had just tossed a salad. You've, you've probably seen some of these haircuts, haven't you? <clears throat> well, I'm not going to be too critical of him because of his haircut. Although, the Bible does have something to say about that. If you hang on for a little bit, I'll tell you about that. But the second thing that jumped out at me was his arms were covered with all these tattoos. And some of them really kind of grotesque looking, like the kind of thing you'd see on the cover of a heavy metal rock album or something. You know, and when I saw those images, I thought, no wonder. (laughs) He probably was checking out a long time ago. I shouldn't be too judgmental of him. I really don't know him. I don't know what he's been through, but... But these things, these pictures speak a thousand words, don't they? And now, if any of you are listening to me today, or maybe, maybe we'll hear this sermon on the internet, or we'll read this sermon later when I send it by email or by a podcast, you're probably going to be offended as I talk about tattoos. Because so many people have gotten tattoos. Churches are full of people who have tattoos, and so I don't, I don't want to heap condemnation on any person. You know, we've all done things that we maybe shouldn't have done. And that's what the church is for, is to come and live a life of repentance. To come and admit that we were wrong about certain things. And then to get over it. Not, not to dwell upon it, but just to move on with our lives. And so when I talk about this sensitive subject, I hope that you will not take offense, but if you do, I I ask your forgiveness. The reality is the Old Testament explicitly prohibits tattoos. And the early church fathers, including Basil the Great, also specifically speak out against this practice. 
I bring up the subject because I believe it, it speaks to the need for people. There's a need in people to appear special or to express themselves in a special way. And the tattoo industry has latched on to this need and really capitalized upon it. There is a need to have a special gift to give to the world or perhaps even to the church. And part of this is expressed in the putting tattoos on and other various forms of adorning our bodies, uh, piercing, those type of things. All those things are symptoms of this desire to this self-expression. Historically, there have been basically four purposes for tattoos. The one purpose that the Old Testament was specifically targeting, targeting in the book of Leviticus is tattooing for the purpose of pagan ritual and worship. That was what, that was what God was really zoning in on when he gave the law to the the Israelites, he was saying, look, I want to tell you these, there are certain things I don't want you doing because the pagans around you are doing these things. And it's inspired by demonic worship. It's inspired by the devil. I don't want you to have anything to do with that. And tattoos was one of them. And that was one of, one of the most common reasons for getting tattoos was to participate in some type of ritual worship of Satan. Secondly, they were used as a means of branding people as slaves. Horrible, horrible thing to think about. Putting a mark on a person saying, okay, you belong to me. Like a, like a like cattle. You know, we've been talking a lot about slavery in our country the last few weeks and how, what a horrible thing that was. And how our country, you don't hear this in the media, but our country abolished slavery because it was an evil thing. Because people, people are people. People are not property. And so, but that was the second reason, common reason for tattoos, was to, to mark a brand a person as, as a slave. The third reason was to brand people as criminals. You remember the Le Miserable? You ever seen the musical Le Miserable? And that song, two, four, was it 24601? That was his number. It was branded on him. You had that number on you, you you didn't have the same rights and privileges that other people have. You were tattooed. You were tabooed. The fourth reason for for, um, tattoos is the only one that has a Christian uh, root to it. And that is in areas where Christians were persecuted, especially who lived in Muslim countries, especially Coptic Orthodox Christians were tattooed by the Muslims. They had to put a cross right on their wrist, right wrist, a cross, and that showed that they were Christians. People who lived in these countries were, either for, were forced to either convert to Islam or pay a tax. And in order to show that they needed to pay the tax, a cross was tattooed on their right wrist. So those have been historically the four purposes of tattoos. 
But the fifth reason that is more contemporary reason is what I referred to already is that to exp- the purpose is to express on your body your individuality, your personality, or your particular interests. This is not a practice that has been generated within, from within the Christian world, but rather is a practice that has been exported into Christianity through the very materialistic and self-centered culture around us. In America, it used to be the tattoos were reserved for soldiers and sailors and bikers. But today, every facet of society has bought into the practice of tattooing, including contemporary American Christians. I see this as an unhealthy symptom of people having too much focus on themselves and their individuality. So let's, let's return to the Bible. You know, so many, so many of our problems could be avoided if we simply read the Bible and were obedient to what the Bible says. And as Orthodox Christians, we, we have the Holy Fathers to guide us to know how to interpret the Bible because it's not always clear. It's not always self-evident what we're supposed to do with what we read in the Bible. But we have 2,000 years of holy tradition. We have the Holy Fathers. We have the saints who have lived the gospel. Live the Bible. And so we, have, we can have 100% confidence that we are being led properly if we listen to the Holy Fathers and if we read the Holy Scriptures. So let's return to the Bible. What does the Bible say? <clears throat> Leviticus 19, 27 through 29. Remember I talked about haircuts? Here we go. You shall not shave around the side of your head nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. I have no idea what he was getting at with the beard, but I can only imagine. You shall not shave around the side of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. You shall not make any gashing on your bodies for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. He goes on to say, I am the Lord, your God, as if to emphasize if you're if you're having any doubts about what I'm whether I'm serious or not. I remind you, I am the Lord, your God. I'm telling you this. And so often we rely on our own wisdom and we just think, well, that's okay. That says it in the Bible. But, you know, things are different now or I know better now. But remember, the Lord is God. He does not change. I am the Lord your God. And then he goes on to say something else that should really get our attention. Do not defile your daughter to cause her to commit fornication, lest the land fall in fornication and the land become full of lawlessness. So in this this commandment about tattoos is sandwiched between uh, weird practices of different ways of cutting your hair and your beard to make yourself to fit into your ritual worship. And then the gnashing, gashing of your bodies, piercing, 
cutting of your bodies. And we have a contemporary practice among young people, not only piercing themselves in many ways, but actually cutting themselves, hurting themselves. See how relevant the Holy Bible is? Always relevant. But then, at the end of this brief little sermon, he says, do not defile your daughter to cause her to commit fornication. In other words, do not allow your children to get involved in fornication, lest the land fall in fornication and the land become full of lawlessness. Well, don't we see lawlessness in our country today? All over the country, lawlessness. It is the fruit of a country that began in the 1960s, basically, to give in to fornication, to stop teaching our children rightly about this. Now, Now, what does all this have to do with this point I had about our spiritual gifts and who we are in the body of Christ? Well, if tattooing your body is not an appropriate way to express your individuality, how should we express ourselves? How do we express our unique identity? The Holy Scriptures are full of great advice of how each one of us can express our unique identity as children of God. You know, each of us is made by God uniquely. And that can never be erased. That personal identity that we have is hidden with God in Christ. And we see it in each other. None of us have to do anything special in regards to each other to see that identity. And so that we should be secure and firm in that. And in the context of having that identity, we are called to a common life. And that life is full of beauty and and service to one another. And so just in this epistle reading today from St. Paul, we have so much advice, more than we can really handle, actually. So I just want to read to you a little bit of what he said to us. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor. Isn't that a beautiful expression of how we should relate to each other? Kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor. Wow. Giving preference to one another. Preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. And listen to this. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. That, that hits us right in the heart, doesn't it? Do not be wise in your own opinion. <laughs> we are all 
guilty of that, aren't we? Well, is that enough to chew on? I think it is. Is that enough to make you humble and get over the snowflake syndrome? You know what that is? That's a modern phenomenon. Snowflake, <clears throat> snowflake is a beautiful thing. And they say that every snowflake is different. Out of the millions and millions and millions of snowflakes that have fallen from the sky, each one is unique. That is true. But, but the common reference to this, this, this snowflake syndrome is the idea that everybody thinks they're so special. <laughs> In fact, a man started a business called Snowflake, and it's a software system to help employers keep from hiring, keep from hiring a snowflake. <laughs> because if you hire a snowflake, you will probably have a lot of headaches. So that's what the snowflake syndrome is about. We are all unique. There's no, we, there's no need to express that in any unusual or strange way. So what does this mean? How should we live? If you are married, if you're married, this is a no-brainer. You don't even have to think about it. If you are married, serve and love your spouse. Be faithful to them. If you have children, serve and love your children. Follow the teachings of the Holy Bible, including this exhortation from St. Paul today. If you are single, you have a hard road to hoe. Hard road to hoe. It's a difficult life to be single in the world. Very difficult. You've heard that expression, a hard road to hoe? If you've ever done any gardening, you got nice, soft, fertile soil, you just take your little hoe and you make a nice little uh, line and you plant your little seeds and everything's fine. But if you have a hard row to hoe, you have hard ground, you have rocks, you have thorns, you have weeds, you have old farm implements, <laughs> all kinds of things that you've got to make a row through. And that, I think that for single people living in the world, that's a good description. If you are single, seek God for a spouse or a monastery, or if neither are provided, dedicate your life to climbing the mountain of the virtues and being a holy person in a godless world and stay very close to your church family. You young children who are just growing up, keep your virginity. This alone will put you in the top one percentile of all human beings in the world. My children in Christ, let us take seriously the words of St. Paul today, examining each suggestion and applying them to our lives. In so doing, we will be expressing our true individuality and special gifts we will be a blessing to one another and bring glory to him.